Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Today on Barca Talk. FC Barcelona's season has ended with a defeat after a passive performance in the Copa del Rey final at the hands of Valencia. Now the discussion of which players might leave this summer can move into full swing, and the future of Ernesto Valverde remains in question. All right, this is Barca Talk. I'm Brian Henderson in Buffalo, New York. Joining me, as always, is Gabriel Quiroga in Madrid. Brian, Brian, my Barca brother from another mother. How are you doing, man? I'm stressed out this morning. I <laughs> We're recording this on Sunday morning. Uh, so of course we have we've had a few hours to uh, you know process through the uh, result in the Copa del Rey. Although we had most of the match to do that, if I'm honest. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I have to I have to get on a plane in just a little while. So I was like doing laundry this morning and making sure I have everything squared away to get on the airplane and making sure we don't go too long here. But you know we still sure. want to have a good episode. So a little stressed out, but uh, I think everything is pretty much in order at the moment. So that's how I'm doing. What's up with you? Uh, you know, I'm okay. I'm just, uh, I'm just really in awe of just what happened last night, and I'm, we're going to talk about it more. But you know, again, it's just a microcosm of the last three weeks where we were in the triplete, and now we just got one. Yeah, <laughs> it's like how that happened, you know? <laughs> we well, we fell off. Yeah, it's like we were, we were kind of. Uh, I think the analogy I'm thinking of right now is if you're. You know, you're wading into some water, right? And there's like a long period where you're at right at your shoulders, right? The water's right at your neck. And you're like, okay, this is fine. I can walk. And then suddenly the ground falls out from under you. There's a big drop off that I feel like that's what happened to us. It's a good analogy. I like it. I mean, that's what it feels like. I mean, just, you know, two weeks ago, we were priming for the away match in Anfield, looking forward to the triplete uh, possibilities and all so forth. That didn't come to fruition. And then last night, you know, I was at the bar with some friends watching, and I could just tell from the first minute that Valencia was in it to win it, and we were not. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll do a whole discussion about the match, but yeah, you could just tell that uh, there wasn't there wasn't much energy, there wasn't much motivation, and again, let's just table that for yeah, yeah. for the moment. But yeah, we're we're both processing, and and I happen to be sort of going through my own. Um, my own personal things right now that that have nothing to do with that so let's yeah so that's that's how i'm doing (laughs) (laughs) i think there's one thing we all have in common right now which is we're pretty disappointed in the uh the end of the season yeah that's for sure i mean it's just it's just crazy because you know it's been such a long season and we have been performing overall well right we've been winning matches and getting those points but man how it just can just it's just salty. The last two weeks, you know, it just comes to a bitter end, you know? Yeah, very bitter. Yeah, very bitter. It's a bitter. bitter pill. 
Well, so now that it's it's all over, our season is completely done, and and so we won't be doing an episode next week after the Champions League final because you know why would we? So this is it for us for the season as well. Um, but that means that we can now start talking about the next steps, right? The future, of course, the transfer window. And um, I don't know if it was yesterday or the day before or even just this morning, but this uh, article was published in Sport that lists nine players who might be set to leave this summer. And I just want to go down the list of these players. A lot, some of them are no-brainers. Uh, a few of them might be a little bit more controversial or at least worth talking about a little bit more. First up, Jasper Sillison. That is, that's been kind of a known thing for a while. Um, it's, it seems like it's been public knowledge that he you know, wants to be a number one goalkeeper somewhere. And, of course, he certainly has the capabilities to, to be the number one at another club. Sure. I mean, he's been a, a great professional. I mean, that's all you can say about him. You know, he, he had a really good campaign, the Copa del Reyes, when asked upon. And, you know, he's been telling everyone that he wanted to be the number one keeper. And so I think he's going to Benfica. I think that's where he's the strongest tie right now. That's where they're about to close the the contract with them. So uh, Silicon has been a really great professional. And uh, we look, you know, good luck with him in the future. Yeah. And as far as backup goalkeepers go, I think he's been one of my one of my favorites over the last 10 years or so. What about Pinto? I mean, I loved Pinto for his personality, but when he was in goal, I, I didn't necessarily, I wasn't filled with confidence. <laughs> Those Pinto time, baby. I much prefer Pinto's personality to Sillison's personality, you know, as yeah. a, as a consumer of media. Sure. But sure. as a, as a soccer fan, I, I always preferred to have um, Victor Valdez. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. No, but Silson is, you know, he's he's still in the prime of his career, and so he deserves to go to another team where he's going to get more playing time for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And we do have Iñaki Pena potentially coming up from the B team. And, you know, you can always find a, a good backup keeper somewhere else. We need to we definitely need someone who's maybe a little bit younger or greener um, to to back up to Stegen. Silson is honestly a little bit too good to be a secondary yeah. keeper, honestly. Yeah, but, I was going to say the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> Now, also, uh, we got center back Murillo. He's uh, that another. It's not even a no-brainer. It's just a requirement. His he's on loan from Valencia, and his loan is ending. And I don't think that we are necessarily in a position where we need to hold on to him, or you know, uh, extend the loan, or renew it, or buy him outright, or anything like that. Yeah, he hasn't played at all this season, really. So. Uh, he'll probably just end up back in Valencia. And, you know, unfortunately, he just didn't get enough playing time under Valverde to see if he was a player that could stay on the team for future seasons or whatnot. So he's definitely probably going to go back to Valencia. And, yeah, what can you say? He played maybe, what, four matches at most? Two. If that, yeah. Yeah. So, And I, th- I think the question – well, the question in this article was why did they sign him in the first place? And you have to remember that in the – mid-year transfer window we were severely diminished in terms of center backs uh, I believe uh, well Umtiti has of course been having lots of injury troubles this year I believe right around that time uh, Longley was in question or P- or PK also yeah uh, there was, was some a- injury issues and and of course Vermaelen was out because <laughs> <laughs> he's Vermaelen I mean it was basically all of them you yeah know, so they needed to time. get someone yeah just in case you know, they needed to put someone in that position. But his his loan is ending, and it seems like it's not a good ridden situation. It's more like, yeah, you know, you're on loan. Valverde is Valverde, and of course you didn't get to play much. So, you know, 
at this point, if we're looking at center backs, of course, the one we're looking at is someone who would be a little bit more permanent. And naturally, we're talking about Delict as the top prospect. But we'll see if that happens or not. But, you know, I think in this transfer window now, rather than being in kind of like emergency fill in mode, we can be more thinking more long term. So that's sure. so that's what yeah. And at the same time, uh, this article also says Vermalen is probably on his way out, and that to me is uh, that's an, another obvious decision. He's you know he's always had injury troubles. He, when he has played, he's been fine. You know he's been serviceable. He's done his job. He's even been pretty good at times. But he just has so many injury troubles. He's aging. It's you know it's time for a little bit of. Um, you know, got to rotate the stock a little bit in, in central defense. <laughs> exactly. I mean, he's been, you know, so many injuries, you know, he has been unable to put consistent performances. And, you know, when he first came in, he was supposed to be, you know, a backup and he hasn't been able to do that either. So his contract is ending. So I'll be happy to see him leave just because of this, you know, the roster spot that he's taking. We can give that to a youngster or, for example, Delict. Right. Yeah. Who's also a youngster. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, Boateng. Obviously. <laughs> and this is another situation where we needed someone as a potential, you know, if needed, to fill in for Suarez. Uh, at, at the very least. We needed someone, and for some reason we got Boateng. But, you know, again, now that the season's over, we can we can make more strategic long-term moves for maybe a backup in that position. And, you know, when he did play, he didn't seem that interested. And he didn't do much, which was fine. I, you know, I was always fine with him not doing much. But, you know, the other times, like during international break, when they had optional trainings, he didn't come to any of them. We know that he's towards the end of his career. He's nearing retirement. So he was just kind of showing up for, um, well, they offered him a job and he and he took it. Because why wouldn't you? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, you're not if you're Boateng and you get offered that job from Barcelona, you know, you're not going to play. Very much, at least. You know that there's no pressure on you. You're at the end of your career. You're not trying to make a name for yourself at this point. So, yeah, sure. Just take it and uh, have fun. And guess what, Brian? He left for holidays today. So, yeah, it's it's good. (laughs) He's already out. He's already out. And I mean, then, this. I mean, they should have just signed anyone from the street. It would have been better. <laughs> I mean, seriously, because it would have been cheaper, and he wouldn't have had none of the expectations. I mean, Boateng was a complete waste of a signing, and the way Valverde didn't even utilize him at all to manage Suarez's injury is, again, another thing that Valverde is doing an amateur hour of managing uh, our team. So yeah, yeah, and then there's Rafinha. So there's another situation where, you know, he's just he's had so many injuries um, that, you know, he can't he can't really he has not been able to get any kind of like consistency going when he has played because he hasn't played for very long before having some catastrophic season ending injury. So there's the fact that even if he does get better and he does recover, the, the likelihood that something like that could happen again just seems that much higher. So it's he's just uh, he's just taken up space on the on the roster, and we can't count on him. We can't count on his body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and also he's had a lot of opportunities. You know, it wasn't just one injury, and they, they weren't patient with him. It's been about three catastrophic injuries essentially, and they've waited every time. Yeah, it's just you know, unfortunately, his body just couldn't keep up, and it's just time to move on. Unfortunately, he's been a great player for Barcelona, and we just need to use that roster spot with someone who's going to be available and not injury prone. 
Right, exactly. I mean, it's funny. Every week, the uh, the club puts out sort of a press release listing the squad and who wasn't on the squad and why. And it's just, I mean, it must be just a copy and paste job, right? Because it's always like Rafinha also out due to injury. <laughs> <laughs> of Control V. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now there's four more who we might want to talk about a little bit longer. First up, Umtiti. I, I was a little bit surprised to see this, but I guess that's mainly because my my estimation is that we should hold on to MTT. I really strongly feel that we should hold on to him. I do also think that he should get surgery on his knee rather than continuing to try and improve his knee with PT, which doesn't seem to be you know getting him to the level that he needs to be at. But I do think that if we can get him to have surgery, keep hold on to him. That's my opinion. I echo your opinion ah. i i want to i want to keep him tt i think you can't just give away one of the best center backs in the world just like that exactly now i think it's really pivotal that he does get the surgery now like this weekend so that he can start recovering and then get back to Umtiti's status because you know last night you know we watched the match long didn't have a great match no. And it would have been nice to have Utiti, you know, back there. You know, that I was thinking about this. It's just nice to have a stock of center backs. And when you have one of the best center backs there, I think it's a priority to keep him, especially since he's in his prime and not just sell him so that you can bring in Griezmann, for example. Right, exactly. I mean, uh, who do we have now in, in central defense, right? It's like, I mean, assuming that we get Delict or another young center back or whatever, like that's fine. And you still have to think about, you know, how PK is probably nearing the end and he should probably play maybe fewer minutes or, you know, I don't know how it's going to, sh- you know, shake out, of course, but PK is on his way out. We have Longley, who's good. And if we get deleted, that's good, too. But if we're also getting rid of Vermalen, then, you know, we need to be making more signings at center back. And like you said, if you're putting Umtiti up against all of the other center backs, he still comes out looking really strong. That he just has this this knee problem that that surgery would improve considerably, and it would be a long recovery time. But in the long run, I think it would be worth it. I think so too. I mean, think about where we were in November, where we almost had no center backs, right? And then we had to get Murillo. <laughs> exactly, and and that's the thing is that it's one of those positions that is not only physical; it's the, probably the most physical position on the field. And they're more prone to have injuries. And it's good to have that kind of luxury, especially with the campaigns that we have. Now, I just don't have confidence that Valverde will be able to manage those center backs properly. Because as you said, PK is on his way out. And I would just start managing his minutes more and just rotate between the three of them, Utiti, Longley, and PK. Just have them really, you know, partner up and work well together. And then going forward, you know, to, to manage PK. Because as we saw this season, with PK not playing as many minutes with the national team, he would, had a better campaign. Now, I think he kind of faltered off a little bit at the end here. But, again, going back to MTT, I just think, man, we were we – were, he was one of our favorite players last season, you know? Yeah. And he's such a stud. You just cannot get rid of that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I think that's the perfect word for it, stud. He's, yeah. He's a stallion. He is, man. <laughs> he is. Yeah. He, you does, every, just... he does everything you want a modern-day center back to do. Great in the air, physical, good in his feet, can read the game well. I mean, what else do you need? And he fits perfectly with our style already. It's just he just needs to get that surgery to get back to 100%. Yeah, and I'm a little surprised that Valverde hasn't... 
well, I mean, of course, we don't know what goes on, but it doesn't. It, it seems like Valverde is not that interested in holding on to Umtiti, which surprises me because he seems more like a Valverde style center back than Longley does. I mean, again, the mysterious ways of Valverde, man, you know, like, you know, that's the thing. Like, I don't understand why he did. I mean, I understand, you know, because, you know, some people want to avoid surgeries at all costs. But as we've seen all season, he wasn't able to get healthy and we need him. We need him to spell Longley. I'm sorry. Longley had a great season. He was a great revelation, but I feel more secure with 100% Umtiti, 100% PK as the center back pairing. Right. Exactly. Now, what about Rakitic? Because he's on this list as well, and it doesn't actually look like he'll leave. Apparently, he wants to stay, and he is, of course, one of Valverde's favorites. But uh, according to this article, they say you can't rule it out, given the interest in him from other clubs. He did have a very quiet Copa del Rey final, and uh, (laughs) some fans have criticized him. And he threw a little tantrum when he was uh, taken off at the beginning of the second half of the final as well. But, But overall, Rakitic... What do you think of a Rakitic exit? I'm I'm kind of for it myself. It's funny how what two weeks does, man. <laughs> <laughs> because I had been a very pro Rakitic person ever since he got here. I think he's a good player. I think he did a lot of great things for us. But lately, I'm just I, – I think I want to see someone younger with more attacking aggression than what Rakitic brings. And unfortunately – I don't see him going in that Valverde loves him so much. And if Valverde stays, then Rakitic is going to stay. But if, Rak- if Valverde goes, then I think the possibility of Rakitic going to another team is very high. Yeah, I, I would agree exactly with everything you just said. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, have nothing to add. <laughs> well, let's just take let's last night, for example, right? I mean, imagine if we just had another midfielder, a little bit younger, faster, but also just with more attacking prowess when we needed that that adds a different dimension to our overall you know midfield essentially and I think that's what we've been missing a couple of years you know Rakitic brings other defensive responsibilities don't get me wrong he does that really well but I just think lately he's just been very lackadaisical and also just his movement you know just his passing we just we're just slow right now and we need younger legs in our team yeah I got the legs for you Carlos Alenia (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. He needs to be playing much more next season. And that's the thing. Rakitic, for all of his gifts, for all of his skills, and, you know, he has really, ever since he came from Sevilla, he has been a a real, you know, what do you call it? Um, you know, he's he's really stood behind the badge. You yeah. know, he's, yeah. he's, he is like full on Barcelona, which is great. So, you know, the loyalty aspect of it is nice from a team spirit perspective, but from looking on the pitch, Alenia needs to be playing more. Artur needs to be playing more, I think. And, you know, Rakitic, he just, he gets those starting positions and he gets uh, shown all of this favor from Valverde, which, you know, is understandable, I guess, but it means that these other younger players don't get the time and they should be getting the time. I think, I think, I think basically I think Rakitic's time is over and, and I say that with great gratitude for everything that he has done up to this point. I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. I mean, I just, I think, you know, more than anything, if we do keep him, we just have to rotate him. You exactly. Know? I mean, how many games, I mean, we always talk about the minutes and games he plays. Imagine when Rakitic is actually really fresh, what we get from him, as opposed to at the end of the season where he played a World Cup campaign, 
with so many extra time games. I mean, this is the thing, you know, we have such a talented midfield with Alenia coming, spot start Alenia to give Rakitic a rest and then use him for the Copa del Rey final where he's going to be even better than he would be. I mean, these are the things that, again, just going through rotation, you know, like I said, if we have to sell him, I would say thank you for your service. Thank you for the Champions League final goal and giving us that Champions League final against Juventus and good luck with your further endeavors. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Give him a gold watch. (laughs) Yeah. 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 No no hard feelings, but you know, it's, it's, this might be time, but I, but again, it doesn't look like he's going to actually leave anyway. Next on the list is Malcolm and um, the article, what it has to say is that, you know, he hasn't played regularly, obviously, um, but he has done well when he's had chances. Um, you know, he obviously wants to play more minutes. And, but at the same time, there seems to be, you know, Valverde seems to have some problem with him. Yeah, I don't know what it is, you know. I mean, every time he comes in, he is, he tries. He's young. He's fast. He tries to score goals. To me, as I just put it on Twitter today, he reminds me of Pedro 2.0 as a winger in the 4 3 3. In that he's faster than Pedro. He looks a little bit more dynamic to do those moves and try to get shots on goal. So I think, you know, if you're a 4-3-3 purist, you know, this would be a perfect right winger or even left winger for you, you know? And I don't understand why Valverde doesn't give him opportunities. I would be really sad to see him go because I can see the potential. Now, I don't think he's going to start, but again, just always talking about rotation and minutes, you don't lose that much when you put him in on the field, especially like a match against Ibar at home in may you know right yeah <laughs> no worries <laughs> yeah yeah and i and I, unfortunately you know he's just valverde just doesn't like him the technical the board brought him on because they wanted him and there's just been kind of this you know standstill with the, with the player you know where valverde didn't want to put him in and only when he has been desperate he uses malcolm all right and finally the last player on this list was as you might have guessed coutinho the the most expensive signing in the club's history with one foot out the door because he 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 hasn't performed well at least not this year you know he he had got off to a great start last year it was all very encouraging we were excited and then this year he just eh. yeah yeah <laughs> it's been very beige quite quite meh yeah i mean i guess this would be the equivalent of buying like an oceanfront property and then the following year, the sand just, <laughs> you know, just going away. You have no more house. You're just like, yeah, but with that, like, you know, what's going to happen eventually. Yeah. Right. Well, this, you know, but the, the erosion is a slow erosion. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. This was like a sudden, like, what, what happened? Yeah. It's kind of an earthquake. I mean, we'll talk about this more about last night, but again, the whole season, I don't understand why Valverde put his faith in this player after so many matches and not putting him in the best position to succeed. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. He needs to go. It's it's the money, first of all, aspect of it. He's too expensive. We need to recoup some of that money. He's not a Barca player. He dribbles way too much. He doesn't produce enough goals. And lately, just the attitude and a lot of kool just don't want him. Every time I see him with the ball, I just moan. I just, oh yeah. God, I seriously got the ball, you know, because you know nothing's going to happen. Right. <laughs> you know, that, that's the thing. It's just this this understanding of 
the same movement, dribble, dribble to the middle and pass to Messi. And, and again, this season has been brutal for him. And, you know, it's one thing if he only had limited games like Malcolm, but we're kind of upset about that. But he has played the whole season. I mean, the whole season. Yeah. And, and his goal output has been terrible this season. I was predicting that he was going to score 20 this season. And he hasn't even come close. Not even close. You know, since this is our last um, proper episode of the season, it's time to say some thank yous. Uh, first off, thanks to Michelle Taylor and Max Bluer for all of their contributions in covering FCB Femini and Barca B this year. It was uh, a change that we made this year, and I think it made the show overall better because we're covering more from the club. We're getting people who are paying more attention to these topics so that we can focus on the first team and and other aspects of the show. So thanks to both of those uh, contributors, Michelle and Max, for everything you've done this year. And I'm you know pretty sure that uh, they'll be back next year. We <laughs> we have uh, we've not signed a contract yet, but I think we can safely say they'll be back. <laughs> and of course, we want to say thanks to all the people who have supported the show on Patreon this year. The mission of this podcast, you know, is to entertain, inform, and connect Kules around the world so we can keep doing it and keep doing it better with that support. We're going to continue to put out bonus episodes in the summer, so you can join up to support this podcast on Patreon with the links in the notes for this episode, and you can hear all of that bonus material, or you can find a link at barsatalk.net. And there is still time to enter our drawing for a Barca jersey. At this point, you might want a uh, 2019-2020 jersey rather than a jersey to commemorate this last year, but uh, that's that's on the table. We can do that. So if you go to Patreon and support us right now at $5 a month, you'll be entered into the drawing. We'll be making it after May 31st, and we'll announce the winner next week on a patrons-only episode. Now, before we get into the Copa del Rey final match, I do want to just for a moment talk about La Liga, because, you know, of course, the one bright spot of this season for us was that we won La Liga uh, yet again. That was the second time in a row for Valverde. And yeah, second time in a row because we lost the year before he arrived. But what I noticed was that it's not so much that we played so great this year, because as we noticed from Champions League and from Copa del Rey overall, the team in general is kind of flagging in terms of overall performance. And while we did win the league, we didn't win it nearly as well as we did last year, for example. So I checked this out. So this year, and my main point here is that we won the league mainly perhaps because Atletico and Real had particularly bad seasons. So uh, for reference, this last year, 2018-19, we won the league with 87 points. Atletico came in second with 76 and Real Madrid third with 68. Whereas the year before we had 93 points, Atletico had 79 and Real Madrid had 76. So everyone had a better season last year than this year. So it's all, I mean, it's all kind of like moving relatively. All these major teams are kind of kind of taking a little bit of a nosedive at the moment. I mean, it's a good premise. I mean, I, I was just thinking about this last night as well as I think maybe the league is just being a little bit better in the middle, you know, where it's more competitive in the middle. So the games aren't as easy to win as they used to be. But as you pointed out, the points difference, I also think that us not being pushed this season, really, I mean, we weren't, uh, you know, three points ahead of a team. We had, we, we had a comfortable lead for most of the season. I think that kind of led to this kind of mentality, especially for the Champions League and the Copa del Rey, where we didn't have that edge that we've been kind of lacking. We've been kind of coasting through the season 
just because of the consistency of Messi scoring so many goals coming through for us. You know, if you think of it a month, we play four matches, Messi's going to perform really well in three of those four matches. And so we're going to get those points. So again, Madrid and Atletico really had some bad seasons this season. And we'll see, uh, you know, all these three teams are kind of a crisis right now. So we'll see what happens in the summer. Yeah. And, you know, I know that the, the, the way you have to do it is just sort of go game to game, right? But from a management perspective, you should be thinking at least two, three, four games out. I would think, you know, you yeah, do want to be thinking about the future and, and at the same time, just thinking about the next game that's right in front of you. At least that's what you want the players to be thinking about. The manager has to be thinking more long-term. That's kind of what the whole gig is with managing. And I don't care <laughs> if you're managing a customer service department, yeah, you yeah. know, at a figurine store or, yeah. or if you're managing a major football club, the principles are the same. You gotta, you have to be thinking out a little long-term and it didn't really seem like he ever was. He always seemed to be in this very, uh, myopic, high, you know, hyper-focused, like just the next game, the next game. Sure, that's what you want the players to focus on because you don't want sure. them to be worried about these larger issues so that they can just go out and play 90 minutes well. But, I mean, if I were a manager, and I'm not saying I would be a good manager, but if I were a manager, I would think, okay, here's some things that I would pr- that I would imagine I would come pre-programmed in my mind with my first year managing. Any, any team, if I were to go, you know, semi-pro. <laughs> I want I want to get as close to a hundred points as possible in the league. Okay. You know, like that would be like my goal. Never mind how the other teams do. Sure, sure. You want to focus on just maximizing success, but of course, I would also want to be thinking about managing the resources, managing the minutes, getting the entire team involved, getting the best out of everyone, uh, pushing them when they needed it, supporting them when they needed it. You know, I would be thinking about all of these things, but as far as performance and goals and milestones, I would be looking at rather than top of the table, I would be looking at how many points we're getting. Yeah. I like it. Maybe that would be a rookie mistake. Maybe that's no, you know. no. I mean, but the thing is, you know, I, you have to plan a month in advance, right? Because of all the different competitions and so forth. And I just don't think Valverde has that in him to think outside the box because of his previous managerial experience, you know, with athletic Bilbao, they barely had extra matches during the week in FC Barcelona. It's a given like every season, you're going to be in all three competitions all the way through February, April. So you have to be able to do that. Uh, Like you said, I would use that kind of, you know, motivation to get those hundred points, because regardless, if you strive for those points, you don't have to really worry about the other teams, you know, because you're going to try to get those points and get every victory. Again, it's it's just simple things, Brian, like just putting the lineup and having a backup there and just doing percentages and say, OK, we have 130 games this season. I'm going to give X player 30 games, this guy, this game and just manage it. I mean, it's not that's why you have an assistant coach. That's why you have interns to help you with all these things. He doesn't have to do it all his own. He can just give the idea and manage it to people. Right. Yeah. Delegate. <laughs> staff it out. Exactly. <laughs> but he does not do that. It's, no. It doesn't it's seem very like apparent. it. No, it's very apparent. He does. I mean, I imagine they don't really use technology that much to help them. Yeah. You know, that's what it still seems as, you know, like, for example, just using different apps and calendar things to manage. I mean, this is 2019. You have this, you know, your FC Barcelona, there should be no excuse for this type of thing. It's, you know, we talked about the hub. That's another thing, having the direct contact with the players and seeing how they're feeling. Like you said, support them 
when they need it and be hard on them when they need to, you know, all these different things. Yeah. Well, so let's talk about the Copa del Rey final. Of course, this was in Sevilla at the Benito Villamarín. Really good atmosphere, good stadium for a, a tournament final. And Valencia mm-hmm. beat us 2-1, to one, and which is, you know, a pretty good result considering that Barcelona really only p- played about 20 minutes of the 90. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, I think my first thing was how many Valencia fans were there? Lots. Lots. Lots of fans. I mean, I don't know if you know, this is their 100th year anniversary. Yeah. And so, you know, this is the only title that they had the opportunity to win. So for them, it was it. This was their huge Super Bowl. And you can tell not only leading up to this, I saw on the news yesterday, they had buses bringing Valencia fans to Sevilla. Whereas Barcelona, you know, this is for us, this was the third competition. If we won, great, right? But as I talked about, you know, previous to this, I did not want a lackadaisical performance coming into it. They had to step up. They had to step up. And they did not, Brian, just like you said, they barely played 20 minutes, essentially. Yeah, once they, well, once they got one goal, like they were trying a little bit harder once they were down two. And then they got one goal and then they really started trying. But it was was just too late at that point. It was too late. But, I mean, from, you know, great environment. I think uh, Rubiales is doing a great job with the Copa del Rey now. They do this whole big fanfare before. They have uh, Peñas, basically, for Barcelona and Valencia before. So they have this. They start to make this whole environment like the Super Bowl, essentially. And now that they have the stadiums picked beforehand, these cities are just really going to get jacked up for it because Sevilla had a big bump this weekend of just people coming for the game. And that makes a huge difference that you can plan it out in advance, even though you don't know if your team's going to be in the final. But it just creates to a great environment. And obviously they had like a pregame show. I don't know if you saw the pregame show. They had singers and stuff. So it's becoming more of a spectacle, which is pretty cool because that's how it should be done. Exactly. Yeah, it was smart. That was game-changing. Just deciding the venue ahead of time and then organizing events around it to make it more than just some game. And we picked the stadium the last week prior to it to the game i imagine logistically that this copa del rey final was probably the best logistical aspect just because of the planning because they knew the site they can plan for it they knew the the exact dimensions of the state because they have to put those banners above the, the the sponsors and so forth so just getting all that stuff laid out you know and you could just tell it was it was how good did that field look Oof. yeah it looked great <laughs> yeah my so. friend commented on that she said Wow, that is the greenest grass I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's just paint. <laughs> yeah, so like I I mean I think I definitely have my uh, bones to pick with Rubiales, but got to yeah. give him props on this, you know, good job. Yeah. But let's talk about the game in particular and the formation starting with Valverde's formation. Do we have to? I mean, this is If you, I Brian, mean, this, you I wrote this, it down. This, I'm know, just I following I'm, your I'm lead. Just, I, I know. I'm just, <laughs> I mean, Man, I was so perturbed last night from the first five minutes. My friend's like, don't you want to watch the game? I said, no, I already know what's going to happen. This is the same BS every time in the last two months, you know? So let's go with the lineup. Obviously, Sillison's getting the start. We have the same back four. I didn't think Semedo was going to start because he basically has a, a slight fractured skull. What? Still, yeah, he has like a little hairline fracture, but they said he was fine to play. Yeah. So we had uh, Alba there. Uh, P.K. Langley, obviously, and then the, the midfield of Busquets, uh, Sergio Roberto Rakitic and Artur, and then Coutinho and Messi. So basically, what I've been reading was a 4-1-4-1. 
Yeah, but who's the one? You know? Yeah, but who's the one? They said Busquets was the one on the back midfield, and then Messi was the point man. But I mean, from watching the match, you knew it was complete chaos. Yeah, complete. Chaos, you know, and I don't know. At least, what do you think at least Vidal didn't start. I mean, maybe he should have. I don't. I don't <laughs> no. know, right? I mean, I, I just don't have any answers with this lineup because. You know, as we talked about, what's what's the main goal of this match, Brian? What's the main goal? To win? Yeah, to win. <laughs> to score goals, right? To score, to score some goals, goals and right? win. Right? <laughs> to win goals. But again, it's always this mentality of going defensive first. Okay. So if you're going to go defensive, then go 4-4-2. But, like, go with your strongest defensive team. Don't do this defensive formation with attacking players who don't care about defending. Right. So, for example, if you're going to do this 4-1-4-1, then put Vidal in there because he is going to defend. But if you're going to go to this mentality, this is where it starts again with the Anfield thing and this match again. Even though we had possession in the first 10 minutes, Brian, like how much possession we had? Maybe like 90%? Yeah, but we had zero shots. That's what I was going to say. At any opportunity, do you think that we were going to shoot the ball and goal? I didn't. No, I think in the first half, we only had four shots. Yeah, if that. Yeah. If that. We were just doing the same BS, Brian, the same BS. I mean, just dancing around, moving side to side with no attack. And again, how slow do we look passing the ball? Very, very slow. I mean, super slow, you know? So, And once we started trying, like later on, we, we were starting to move the ball quicker, and it was getting more exciting. And the only thing that was disappointing about that, of course, is that it was, you know, 70 minutes in. Correct. Correct. Well, let's let's just go through our, our talking points here. Let's just talk about the the Valverde and just in general with this mentality, and also didn't just we just act- talk about that? Yeah, no, I know, but I, we want I want to give you your his quote, right? So, right, oh, right, right. <laughs> the quote, right? So after the press conference, right, they ask him, you know, how are you feeling, and his response was, Brian, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm fine. So he was fine with the outcome. I'm fine. This is fine. Yeah, basically, he was saying that the loss was a loss. And, you know, you just have to accept it. And this is my biggest gripe with this is that he was outcoached by Marcelino, Brian. Oh, way, way outcoached. Do you know how many times Marcelino has been beaten or how many times he's beat Barcelona in his career? Uh, No. One time. This was it. (laughs) Yes. He's had more losses and draws against Barcelona in his career than any other coach. But last night... Everyone knows what Marcelino does. Four four two, defense counter. I mean, right. This is the thing, and there's no reason to get out coached by that. And all of a sudden, we looked surprised <laughs> that they were going to use the flanks on counters. Yeah, this this boggles me. It's just the idea that in these big matches, Valverde continues to get out coached on simple things. He never looks for these outside the box moments. And again, he accepts this defeat because he feels that the other team was completely that much better than our team. Right. And on paper, our team is much better. Well, not much better, but better than Valencia. We have talented players. We shouldn't We shouldn't just go into the match with this losing attitude already by giving this formation and not having enough forwards. Like, this, is, this can't happen. It also bothers me that it seems like Valverde feels as though he doesn't actually have any influence on the outcome. <laughs> He just seems like really resigned to like, well, you know, sometimes we win, sometimes we lose. I don't know how it happens. I mean, you remember his famous quote at Liverpool is, it is what it is, right? I mean, it's this type of attitude where you are the coach of this team. The team is ultra talented. Like you can push the buttons to move those players to do things. You can put your thumbprint. Again, 
what happened when he put uh, Malcolm in? Everything changed. Everything changed. Everything changed. Why? Because we were able to use the right side, Brian. Yeah. Again, we've been talking about this. How many times we're on the left side with Coutinho doing the same thing? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he just – well, when he wasn't so double teamed that he could barely hold on to the ball, he would either pass it back or, in a good moment, he would dribble to the inside and then pass to Messi. Yeah, and then how close was Messi to him? Like two yards, right? It, you know, so he's just like it's like I have the ball, I have the ball. Here you go, Brian. Here's the ball, and then all of a sudden, five defenders on you. It's like why? What? Yeah. Again, we talked about in the beginning of the show. Coutinho has to go. This performance last night just summed it up to me. He did nothing again. He did uh, his highlight of the game was the corner kicks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, I think that if there is still the possibility that the club might look for someone to replace Valverde even though that's apparently, at least publicly, unlikely. But if there is still that chance, if you bring in someone else, maybe hold on to Coutinho, maybe they can you know, get more out of him and use him better. But the two of them at the same time is not working out. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. we talked about that. But like, what a- really quick, really quick, going back to this, like, you know, we've talked about experimental lineups, you know, and putting your boy Sergio Roberto up at wing. Now, imagine if it was Sergio Roberto, Messi, Malcolm starting. And we were in a 4-3-3. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we have the possession. You know, we don't need speed on that left side of the wing because Cuccino doesn't have speed and he doesn't utilize that. So that that negates it. But if you have someone that can pass with Alba and then you have the balance on the right, then all of a sudden that changes the thing of the, of the, the beginning of the match. And again, this always goes back to the thing, Brian. Do you want a 4-3-3 or a 4-4-2? Are you trying to attack? Put those players in the best positions. I mean... Anyone can do it in FIFA. You should be able to do it in real life. <laughs> exactly. Okay, that simple, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, how about Messi? And particularly, not just how he performed in the game as a player, but uh, the, the main talking point really is about his, his captaincy. You know, we've talked about this all season, about how at the beginning of the season, we were kind of surprised that he was the head captain just because of his personality. And then we talked about how he has developed into becoming a better captain. But I think in these last three weeks, it's he still leaves something for me to desire to be a captain because especially at the Anfield debacle, I think he should have come out sooner to answer questions, you know, to just to give some support to the, to the fan base. And again, last night, um, his dead eye stares, like they don't do it for me. Like you got to, you know, being a captain means not only being a captain in the good moments, Brian, like in the bad moments, you have to yell at people. Sometimes you have to grab them by the shirt. You got to do something because they will follow that, you know, because Messi doesn't do that all the time. And if all of a sudden he breaks that character just to like animate the team a little bit, then he's going to get a reaction. But again, last night, you know, after the match, he just walks through, doesn't even make a comment. And these are the type of moments where like, he just needs to say, you know, we tried and we lost and that's fine, but at least just be in front. You are the face of the franchise and you need to take these moments where you have to speak when you don't want to speak because we want to hear it. We need to get something from them because the only words we got last night again was from PK and it was very short. It was just, you know, we tried, we couldn't do this, we couldn't do that. And then obviously Valverde's quotes of I'm fine. Right. So, you know, the day after it leaves all Kool-Aid's mouth bitter because we saw the effort again last night there was no effort we left nothing out there and again it that's the worst thing for me it's because i love watching the style of barca and it's completely unidentifiable now 
oh completely yeah unidentifiable yeah it's you know? just really missing yeah and there's no attack there's no like wow that passing or oh my gosh you know there's no moments like that ever anymore you know yeah, and this is that comes down again to Valverde. And I'll say because we're about to talk about Malcolm for just a second, and I will say at least he made early substitutions. He made two changes at the half. He he did something, he right? He didn't do nothing. So, I don't know. I'll give him a a cookie for that. But <laughs> <laughs> But here's the thing really about Valverde that is I think the big problem for us. He doesn't play attacking football. He doesn't have the team play attacking football. And what is Barcelona without attacking football? It's 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 something else. Yeah. It's not us. Yeah. It's just a normal team. Yeah, That's it's just a normal yeah. team. Again, I, man, I was I was so upset last night because this is just, you know, this has been happening the last two years and I just I couldn't even watch the match. I was at a bar with friends and they were they kept asking me, Don't you want to watch the match? I go, No, I already know what's happening. Nothing. Right. Nothing is happening. And that's the problem. And I love football. I love this team because of the way they played. That's how they hooked me in. But Valverde is just killing the style. I get no, I, I just get more angry watching the game because I know that we can't do anything to t- change the outcome when it's so simple. You know, it's just putting Malcolm at the start. Like, you know it, I know it, 10,000 other people know it, and he just cannot see it. Yeah, and it's that that's really curious. But so once he did come in, how did he do? I thought he awesome. Yeah, he did great. You know, he was putting balls into the box, he's he's making runs, he was you know, he wasn't over dribbling, although, you know, he still got he would still like kind of stall up at times, sure. maybe a little bit more than I would have liked, but I I'm fine with that at given his age and level of experience and how many minutes he's played. But I think if you put him out there a little bit more, he would start to get a little bit more fluid. So there were times where he wasn't quite as fluid, but he was much more dynamic and fluid than what was out there before. Yeah, I mean, again, when he comes into the match, because he's a right wing, he's a proper right wing, so he knows how to use the dimensions, and we were more balanced on attack. You know, you you saw the ball actually going to the right side. And like you said, he did stall a little bit, but the good thing that he was trying to do, he was trying to throw the kitchen sink into the middle. Now, I know not all the passes were accurate and so forth, but at least the dude was trying. And that's all I was asking. Like, honestly, I would say Messi and him were probably the only ones that I could say that were honestly, like, really, really, really trying to do something out there. Yeah. Everyone else was doing just enough to not get beat, right? right. Um, but they were already again. getting beat. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And Malcolm, with his speed down that side, he gave the defense problems. And using that stall tactic helped a little bit. But again, I just don't understand how, you know, like you talked about, you gave Valverde a cookie for making the substitution, but I just think he was so desperate that he just wanted to do that. It wasn't so much a move that he strategically said, I'm going to manage the game now. It was just kind of, I'm just going to put him in there so people can't complain type of thing, you know? And again, like I was talking about just the overall attitude of the team, you know, again, Alba with another terrible game. Um, Our back line looks slow. I mean, it it was just a, a, a miscommunication of everything. And again, Brian, it was not, and I come, and I repeat, not primo football. It was, yeah, it was very anti-primo football. <laughs> <laughs> Which is sad. This is the thing. And again, we're wasting Messi's games and moments, you know? This is another title that he doesn't get. And now you could debate that the Ballon d'Or could go to Mbappe, for example. Right. I don't know. Even you though know? Messi did win a golden shoe. he So he won the Pichichi yeah. and the golden shoe this year. He outscored everyone in Europe everyone in Spain, 
but I think I think a case for the Ballon d'Or going to someone else is strong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm 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 really curious to see what happens the next day with the board and see what happens. Again, we it just really comes down to the coach because we can, as we talked about, we can sign all these players and they'd be great, but I just don't think they'll, we'll get the maximum effort from the maximum potential because of what, what you just said about does not play attacking football. And that is just killing our style. Exactly. I mean, do you have any They've lost our religion? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I just can't get over Alba. Like how many mistakes did he make last night? He was getting constantly torched on that right side and that should just not happen. Well, you know, except for Malcolm and Alenia when he uh-huh. came on and Messi towards the end, everyone just looked exhausted. Yeah, yeah. Everyone. I mean, like, the it's one thing to get up for the match, right? If you could say that they started off just trying to just trying to control the ball, just trying to maintain the possession and and work their way in. Okay, you can make that argument. But even towards the end of the first half, Everyone just looked, even before the goal, you know, it was 20, 22nd minute, Gamero scores the first goal. Before then, just everyone on our side looked just beat down. And it's just been a really grueling season, particularly for these players. I know. And that's the thing is that, again, it's just always going to the management. You know, I... You know, we were talking a little bit earlier about, you know, if you were the manager of the team, what what you would do and so forth with the scheduling and so forth. For example, for me, if I was manager of Barca, I would say Copa del Rey is all young players. I don't care how far we go. This is your tournament. Silicon, you're the captain for the Copa del Rey team. We're going to have Alenia, Ricky Puj, Malcolm, you know, all these young players because then they have something to fight for because that is something, you know, we talked about complacency, you know, and it's just, again, it's just the idea Maybe they've won too much, right? And they're tired they of winning. <laughs> exactly. No, that's it's a it's a severe thing in pro sports. You just you you lose that edge, that motivation, you know. Yeah. And that's why we need an injection of youth, but also we need a new coach that's actually going to motivate the players. I mean, what do you think the pregame speech was from Valverde? He's <laughs> like, you know, hey, uh, pass the ball, take the ball, and all right, goodbye. You know, and that's <laughs> it. You know? Nothing else. You know. You, you can, you know, the most emotion we saw of him last night was he took his tie off. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's like, well, he man. is, he is a Sphinx. He is a mysterious, yeah. <laughs> mysterious Sphinx. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, so not, not a great end to the season, no. but, uh, I think we finished strong. We did. We did finish strong. I yeah. think we're finishing strong right now. <laughs> <laughs> Taking it all the way to the last minute. We are, we are, we are We're bringing it to you folks. Yeah. Um, and that, so that's it for this season. Um, yeah. We will be, again, as I mentioned, we will be putting out uh, bonus episodes for patrons on Patreon throughout the summer. Uh, not every single week, but we will have things going on during the summer. And uh, we will have some special episodes. We have those in the works. Don't have release dates at the moment, but we will have some special episodes that will be coming out. And then I think, you know, once transfer season really starts to or finish out and once we're getting into preseason we'll be back with more episodes sounds like a plan yes all right bye this has been
been a production of Barca Talk, written by Gabriel Quiroga and Brian Henderson, editing by Brian Henderson, music by Brian Henderson, social media and promotion by Two Point Go. Support the show through Patreon, the Amazon Marketplace, and the Barca Talk merchandise store, all at barcetalk.net. Until next season, Visca Barca. Sports Social Podcast Network.